Hi, and welcome to Living Hormoniously, an ever-expanding revolution of women embracing their bodies and their extraordinary natural rhythms to enhance all aspects of life. Hi there, and welcome to episode three of Living Hormoniously, the podcast. My name's Lissy Turner. And I'm Talia Minot. We are so excited today because we're going to be discussing one of the most uh, turbulent and exhilarating times in the menstrual journey, puberty. Not just for the teenagers, but for the parents also to find a way to coexist beautifully in the home together and be a great support team. So how you as the parent work with your teenager and how you as the teenager Uh, find ways to support yourself within this very exciting time. Talia, I'm going to ask you about being a teenager. Do you remember what you were like? You didn't get your uh, cycle until much later in the journey. But do you remember being a little bit nuts during that time or did it (laughs) seem pretty level to you from the inside? No, I think I was definitely somewhat of a nightmare and... I don't remember the hormone fluctuations so much, but I know my cycle was pretty regular. So I must have had, you know, the hormonal fluctuations happening every five to six weeks or so. But I do know that my parents kind of refer to this stage, the teenage stage as being somewhat psychotic. But then again, (laughs) this stage also, because I did get mine later in, you know, the culture that I was living in at that time as well, was also a time of starting to go to parties and starting to experiment with alcohol and all that. So I think there was a lot happening for me around that 15, 16 as well. It's absolutely about flinging ourselves to the the outer limits, to Mm. the outer boundaries of what we've been told we can and can't do. That's part of the teenage experience. So that's why I'd like to challenge the word psychotic because it's only perceived that way, uh, the teenage years, because we're comparing them to other times in the life. But it's actually the nature of puberty is to really explore what are the fringes of my existence. So true. And there's so much happening during this time too. Like if you think about the hormones, like the three major hormones that are occurring during this time are progesterone, estrogen, and testosterone. Previous to puberty, they're not really there and then you know all of a sudden there's such an influx of them it's like boulders coming towards you and everything else that is happening during those teenage years as well so it's it's a pretty wild ride, isn't it? And this is why it just requires so much education for parents leading in, as well as for the young people who themselves are going to be experiencing it directly, because it's really a time of it's a time of understanding, because both as the parent as well as the teenager, you're going to be tested in so many ways. But the reality is, the fundamental reality is that there is so much going on in the endocrine system. It really only equals a gain to perimenopause. But by then, we have all of this life experience. We've learned the tools. We've done so much work work on ourselves puberty no there's none of that we're coming into this crazy ride of this hormonal experience without any of that underneath our belt if we were to draw that on a chart what would it look like the presence the sudden presence of estrogen progesterone and testosterone it's funny when i think of that i think of you know when you're in the hospital the little is it like a heart monitor Mm. I see that, but just really closely put together and just like up, down, up, down, up, down, across, up, down. And that's what I see kind of puberty look like. And then, you know, perimenopause on the other end looks slightly like that as well, but almost like a roller coaster. 
And if you can have this imagery in your mind when you're looking at the behavior of your teen or your niece or or your daughter or whoever it is that's your person in your life, your young female person who's experiencing this, you'll understand how the behaviors ride on the back of that. So hopefully that enables a little bit more compassion, even though it is a very testing time or can be a very challenging time for mothers particularly because the relationships can really change. Really want to make sure that I say this now. Because it's so important for parents, not just for the long term, but also cycle by cycle with your uh, teenager. This too Mm. shall pass. So it will pass in the long term. So once the teenage years are finished, whatever your teenager presents like now, that doesn't really have a lot of relevance to what they're going to be like in their 20s. And what they look like cycle by cycle in those weeks where it's really challenging, just remember this too will pass. Mm. Then they'll get to the next phase of the hormonal shift on that, you know, that crazy graph and everything will be different again. So just be patient. And I think on that note, also have compassion for them too, because like you said before, a lot of teenagers are unaware of what is actually going on. They might have been told that they're going to bleed maybe they're told that they'll ovulate, but they have no idea of this roadmap that's occurring for them. And a question for you with that, and I'm just trying to think back to my teenage years as well, is did you have any type of education at your school or through your parents or anything about what was actually going to happen before it happened? I mean, the mechanics. There was a very fundamental body mechanics, which only were that I would bleed. Mm. That's all. The only focus was on the menstruation itself, but not the other three quarters of the cycle. And, you know, you obviously hear a lot of negative rhetoric about the week leading into the bleed that you'll go crazy you'll be manic you'll be neurotic you'll have pms oh what's wrong with you have you got your period there was a lot of that sort of stuff but as far as what fundamental knowledge did i have about my cycle as a whole i would say very very little and that only came in my late 30s now there's definitely more talk of it and hopefully that's something that we're instilling in some teenagers too through the workshops that we do and the work that we do but they're really going into this blindly. As a parent, if you're a parent listening, Tali, can you talk directly to the parent? What signs could they be looking out for to show that their daughter is soon to cycle? Sure. So this differs definitely for all individuals, but for the majority of teenage girls cycling, the parents might start to notice cervical mucus on the underwear. And I actually remember this occurring with me and not really knowing what the heck it was. So initially it might just be like the little streaks of cervical mucus and that can occur for a few months before the actual cycle appears. They might start to notice pubic hair on their teenage girls or they might start to notice the breasts as well evolving. And with the development of the breast tissue as well is that sometimes that can, even though we know of course that that's part of the puberty process is this development of the breast tissue because it develops as a hard lump first directly beneath the nipple. So what you might find is that your daughter might start to express like in the really innocent young child way, something happening here, I've got a lump and then the, both the nipples have gotten very, very hard, almost like this, you know, like a 20 cent piece size cyst underneath there. So the breast, breast tissue starts quite hard and nodually and it can almost come as a bit of a shock that that's happening. And we don't necessarily even put the pieces of the puzzle together because it feels very different to breast tissue as it develops. And this can occur for teenagers at different ages. 
approximately the cycle comes in around 10 to 13 but we've had girls at our workshops that some of them cycle from eight or nine and then some of them on the other end are cycling at 15 16 so there's quite a range of ages that that's occurring as well and within the cycle itself you have to let go of this idea of there being a regular cycle some girls absolutely they might just immediately fall in line to this amazing 28-day cycle. So there's a beautiful rhythm there. They have an idea of when they're going to bleed. It's one of those things that when you're going to high school, it feels like a build-up of uncertainty, always that concern of, am I going to bleed in class? Am I going to be at school? Am I going to hop up and there's going to be blood on the back of my skirt? Because in the beginning, there's particularly if we're not entirely comfortable with that blood and with that menstruation happening, which of course at high school, we're not. If you are not in a regular 28-day cycle, there's an added component of tension around that because it's completely unknown. But the irregularity of the cycle in the teenage years is completely normal. And it's sometimes doesn't balance itself until around 18 or 20 years old. But I think it's important to note here that the irregularity that you're talking about is around the length of the cycle and that those symptoms that can occur such as really painful periods, brown blood, those types of things are still signs that potentially there's something else going on. So When we're talking about the irregularity, we're talking about the length of the cycle and when your neck's going to bleed. But those really painful periods and all of those types of symptoms still shouldn't be present in the cycle. Also remembering though too that because a lot of the sensations are brand new, there's a level of discomfort that does subdue over time and that level of discomfort can seem like pain in the beginning. But just as Talia is saying, that pain and heavy bleeding that's ongoing, that's not part of normality. So then you might need to start looking at things like diet, uh, exercise, lifestyle, what's your headspace around your menstruation. All of those things start to become more and more important. If there's a problem that presents in the menstruation, in terms of heaviness, quantity of blood and uh, the color of the blood or if you notice any clots then you need to start looking a little more deeply and refining but in terms of irregularity of time this is really can be quite vast so a teenager might get your teenager if you are the teenager listening you might get one cycle and then you might not cycle again for six months nine months 12 months this is completely and utterly normal you might get one uh, have one cycle and then not cycle again for two months and then it might be another year or so it's in, in the teenage years, this is a brand new system, essentially, that's igniting. Absolutely, yeah. So I want to ask you a question. I want to switch a little bit here because you have had two teenage girls now that have gone through this. Did you notice when it was coming on in terms of emotionally or was it more physically? And how was that time for you as a parent? I'll speak mostly for our eldest daughter because my eldest daughter is my biological daughter and the next daughter down is my my stepdaughter. So there's a slight step away with her because even though we're very, very close, her mother holds a lot of that dialogue space with our um, second eldest daughter. But for our eldest daughter, it was really interesting to reflect on because one, she didn't tell me when she got her first cycle so I didn't even know which is like it's one of those things where you wish you could go back but she's also my first child so not just our our eldest daughter but she's our first child too so there was a lot of learning around the teenage behavioral space and it crept up on me and I wasn't prepared as to the sudden change that would happen with my daughter that one day I would have 
a young girl living with me, my child would be living with me and the next day I'd be parenting a stranger. And I wasn't prepared for the sudden shift in her attitude and her look on life. And if there's any advice or anything that I can pass on is to really be uh, prepared, like do the work on you and really prepare to be incredibly adaptable. Teenagers can't adapt in the way that we can. Why? Because they have so much going on in their own physiology. To ask them then to change mentally when they're being so overrun with emotions, that's not the right space. But so often that's happening. The parent is saying, you need to change, you need to do this. But the best space to facilitate change within the family dynamic at that time is for the adult to change. How can I adapt to meet my teenager where she needs me to be or where he needs to be if he's uh, obviously if you've got a teenage boy. Puberty is not unique to the female gender so that's really important to note with this podcast is that boy or girl all of a sudden your little child that childhood time is gone. For the mum I think this can really present quite a grieving process that it's good to be aware of and it's not talked about enough that The childhood time ends not in your own timing. Mm. All of a sudden it's finished and you're on to a new stage and the childhood will never, ever come back. And that's quite the grieving process, I think, for a mum. Then the headspace has to be readjusted to say that's okay because where we are now is the next natural state, which is puberty. It's just difficult because you lose that sort of loving innocence of the small child and you're presented with an adolescent who's going through puberty. The physiological system is so overrun, so, so busy and they're doing everything that they can to just hang on um, with what's happening inside them as well as really trying to figure out the state of the world and in that, what is their place? In terms of parenting a teen, That space is the great evolution space for the parent. We need to just create the space for them to grow into adults. How can we keep them safe and supported even when they tell us, I hate you, you suck, (laughs) because they will. That's the reality. You know what that brings up for me too and with some naivety because I I haven't had a teen go through that yet, you know, I have a a two-and-a-half-year-old, is that educating yourselves as a parent firstly and your teen might not want that education but at least you have it there so you have a better understanding of what's going on with the hormonal cycle and if they do want that education from you then you readily have it available for them and what you're essentially doing is you're sort of building this framework for them that they don't even know about because anything they know about that you're doing they will resist against but you have to create almost like this invisible framework so in the um, fridge you need to have all of the food that just support and facilitate their endocrine system without knowing that you're doing something that's good for them. Oh, this is your choice. They want to find their own power. So how do you do that? You only stock the cupboards and the fridge with foods that are going to support their endocrine system. And now there's more readily spoken of this whole celebration day for girls, which I think is incredible. But we were speaking about this before the podcast that this might not be something that the teen is open to their mother throwing for them, but maybe an auntie or a friend or another peer might throw a celebration day for their, for the teen when they do 
come into puberty and what that might look like might be a day at the spa you know a day getting your nails done something that's something that's shifting them from that child to teenager acknowledging as well what they're actually this journey that they're they're embarking now on that they didn't choose but it's the reality of their bodies so and it's really acknowledging that this is a big thing like this shift in the endocrine system for any teenager is really really big and I think that's a really first important stage of connection with the teenager is to just acknowledge that this is actually a big thing and you can see that and like you said your teenager might resist doing that with you if you're the mama or the dad or, or you're caring for a, for a teenager. And so bringing in somebody else from your community that they connect with, that they really feel comfortable with can be the best way. And we see this all the time in our Teen Queens workshop. We have girls who they haven't even told their mothers that they're bleeding. Then they come to the workshop because their mums want them to do it and they are like an open book. Talia and I end up knowing everything about their cycle and the mums say, oh, I'm, they're at the workshop but I don't even know yet if they're menstruating. That as well is a natural part of the process for some teens. They want to keep some things in the, in away from their mums, not because there isn't a love there but because they're also learning about how to hold their space and find their power within their family dynamic. And we have to step back from our own hurts and just look to the child or the teenager I just go along with, okay, what do we think is actually best for them? What's going to create the, the most supportive space? We want to talk a little bit about tools of management. So firstly, just in terms of menstrual management. So the things that we use, obviously, to assist us with that menstrual management, pads, tampons, and moon cups. What's your thoughts on those three options, Talia? I think this is really individualized again for the teenager I think initially tampons is something that as a teenager you're like heck no and I know this specifically for myself because I was a swimmer as well it was essential yes for me to be using something like a tampon but it freaked me out and it wasn't something that I was really open to I don't know if they still have them now but back when I did end up starting to use them they had like the insertion tampons so it was this really long stick and the tampon would be in the top so you wouldn't have to put your finger up inside you. And to me, that seemed a lot nicer than, you know, thinking about putting a tampon up inside me. So I think initially, and the moon cups is a similar similar process where they're having to curl the moon cup and then put that inside them. I think for a teenager first getting their cycle, that's a bit too much. For me, I think pads are probably the way to go initially and as a mum actually having or as a caregiver actually having them ready for your teen before they bleed because I know we've done many workshops and spoken to many women now and the stories of when they first bled which we often talk about there are many women who speak of that first time and actually not having anything so just using toilet paper or whatever they could find because there was nothing there for them what, what are your thoughts with the pads, tampons and moon cups? This again comes down to the lead in of the parent. So it's really about the education of the child before that you lead, before you lead in. So you normalize all of those things that you're comfortable with. Again, I'm not a tampons user. I never liked them. Even when I was younger, sometimes they were essential for, you know, swimming carnivals on. What am I going to do? And, um, and pads also seemed like quite a cumbersome option at school. And, you know, way back when in the dark ages when I was at school, <laughs> 
there wasn't even sanitary bins and things like that that are so much more available now. So the pads were quite cumbersome even in their disposal. The more that you can normalize the options and have those options available and you'll find most likely is that whatever's comfortable for the mum will be already a comfortable path worn for the daughter. Moon cups are becoming increasingly uh, moving towards you know, the number one option because from an environmental perspective and that's really important for the generation of now because they're carrying the load of climate change from generations past. So there's a lot more awareness around that. So if you yourself can start to become comfortable with the moon cup as this non-disposable option, you're going to pave that that road for your daughter anyway and, and develop that level of comfort very early on. Of course, you've got cloth pads in that as well, as far as non-disposability. Do what feels most comfortable for you. A lot of it's going to be based around what are your peers doing, because that's what we do when we're teenagers. Once the bleed is there, there are going to be some sensations in the body. What are some really beautiful ways that one, we can assist as parents to nurture the teen, but the teen can also take uh, personal responsibility to nurture themselves through the actual menstruation phase of the cycle. I think the two tools that come up for me during that are really heat packs, particularly at this time because you've referred to it that, you know, the pain that's coming in might be mild, but for the teen, that's something very new to them. So I think heat packs are a really beautiful nurturing way to support the potential pain that might come in at the onset of the menstrual cycle and also maybe some lovely essential oils. There's a brand out there who I'm not affiliated with at all, but I just know that this particular essential oil works quite well. I've used it myself and also I've given it to my niece recently when she had some some slight period pain is doTERRA. They do two blends, one called Past Tense and one called Clary Calm. And both of them just in little roller bottles and they're really beautiful blends just to roll a tiny bit on the ovary and they actually just help to excrete that discomfort so for the teens listening or the parents listening so whereabouts exactly on the body does that align with in terms of connecting to the ovaries just below the belly button to the left and to the right so just you you'd make a little bit of an oil blend and just rub it over that whole area of the low abdomen where Mm. you might have a sense of your ovaries and your uterus yes yeah yeah okay beautiful this idea of creating this really beautiful and nurtured space during the time of the bleed because this is the rhetoric that we want to develop for our teens is that when they are bleeding it's quite an inward time Mm. so how can you be in that like help them to get their room clean and ready even though a teenager's room can be a horrific nightmare start to feel into that can you give them some assistance to get their room all beautiful without even talking about the menstruation necessarily declutter the room to declutter the mind but in a way that they feel comfortable with so don't just charge on in and take over how can you gently gently support that in knowing that oh it'd be really lovely for them to have a a safe space a nurtured space during that time and let them just hide away for a few days in that space if they want to. You often refer to in our workshops too, so I'm going to allow you to do it because you'll explain it better than me. Is is it in India where when the teenage girls are bleeding, the there are no chores for them to do? I've got a little list here, Talia, actually. <laughs> I've got just a little bit of a, a list for, for parents. Track your teenager's cycle by symptoms or effects, not by the calendar. So first and foremost, I'll get back to what you've just said shortly. Really just start to pay attention to them in relation to when their bleed happens. So what happens in the week before? Really start to pay attention to the effects that you see then. So what are the attitude shifts? 
And what are the behavioral shifts? What are the energy shifts? These are the really important factors to look for. Then you'll start to get a bit of a detection for yourself is, oh, hang on, they are potentially going to bleed pretty soon. That week, you might notice quite extreme behavioral changes. I certainly did with our eldest daughter. And I finally learned, I don't know how many cycles and how many years it took me to realize that we had one shocking week every single cycle. And it took me so long to detect, hang on, this is just before she bleeds. I'm sure she wouldn't mind me saying this. She was a horrific nightmare. <laughs> and But then I learned, hang on, I just need to ride this week out. This is not the time for me to be addressing the behaviors necessarily unless there's an immediacy to those behaviors. What doesn't need to be battled in that time, don't battle it. It will pass. Wait till the bleed happens. Obviously, when the bleed happens, you'll hopefully know they'll be a little bit more inward. They might not want to be sharing with you so much. Also, let that space happen. Getting back to what you asked about the chores, share the load of their chores during their menstrual week or their menstrual days amongst the rest of the household. Really sort of give them this idea and this permission that when they're bleeding and their body's doing so much, that they learn to take the load off because if they don't learn it early, they're going to continue that through their adult life and potentially go into endocrine problems. We need to rest for the first few days of the bleed. So in the household, delegate their chores out amongst the rest of the household. Get dad to step forwards and take a whole heap more of the chores or the brothers and the other sisters, whatever. Share the load of the chores of the person who's bleeding out amongst the rest of the family. Know when to ride things out. There's lots of times where we just have to pause choose your battles. Uh, A friend of mine told me this many, 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 many years ago. There's so many things that we are managing when they're small children that are important. It is important that they brush their teeth. It is important that they brush their hair. (laughs) But during the teen years, just let so much of it go. Really pick your battles. Have good parameters, of course. It's good to have those parameters to know where the safety bounds are. But there's so many silly things where they can start to find safe independence and you can just back off from. Empathize and celebrate. As much as you can, celebrate. The final piece of advice that I have for parents is to really tap into your good humor. Potentially be a lot of door slamming. There might be some name calling. There'll be an emotional sort of slaying in your direction and a lot of it can really hurt. But this is all pretty textbook. It's all pretty much adolescence 101. Uh, Once it starts to go out of the bounds of that and perhaps goes into quite dangerous behavior, then other things need to come into place. But if we can have this openness and this support of the endocrine system first and foremost, so much understanding can grow from there. So I think wrapping up, you know, for me going into those teen years, two of the things I would take from this podcast is this too shall pass and education is key to supporting yourself and also your child. It's really an amazing time. I just think young people, they get so much shit and they're asked all the time to be grown-ups. And yes, teenagers can be really, really challenging, but there's so much in the way that teenagers view the world that needs to be heard a lot more. So listen where you can. And just to let let yourself grow and evolve with it as the parent and as the teenager, just hang in there. Because like Talia just said, this too shall pass. You'll find level ground, it will come. And in the meantime, explore those fringes of, of your own personality, finding your identity of self 
in hopefully what is a really supported space within your home as much as you might not even like your family (laughs) at that time your home hopefully is the safe space thanks for listening and next week we have a guest on the podcast sally mcintyre which i'm really excited to talk to have a beautiful day everyone happy menstruating